welcome to the How to HR podcast. I'm your host, Shona, founder and director of Lilac HR, where we help equestrian and country businesses to become brilliant employers. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and let's get cracking. Hello, my loves. Welcome to another episode of How to HR. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about employment status. Employment status has been a topic of discussion since the government announced the changes that it was going to make to the IR35 regulations, which are a set of regulations which HMRC typically use more than employment, really. Um, But it's, it's aimed at ensuring that employers can't use subcontractors as employees. So what happens sometimes in some businesses is a business will hire a freelancer or a contractor five days a week, nine to five, Monday to Friday, um, on a permanent basis, ongoing basis. And what happens then is that that contractor is then unable to take on other clients or um, carry out project work for other clients throughout the year. And it then effectively means that that person becomes an employee of the business because they are solely reliant on that person's income. People tended to, well, they used to do this anyway. I don't know how much it still happens, but I'm sure it does. But people used to do this as a bit of a tax dodge. So the IR35 regulations are all updated to make sure that you can't dodge paying your tax because HMRC don't like that. And then the pandemic happened and we kind of forgot about IR35. It was a big deal. It was going to be a big thing. It's all us HR and payroll folk were talking about for quite a while. And then COVID turned up and, you know, it kind of went went by the wayside. So the reason I want to talk to you about this on how to HR is because it is important that you know what the status of your employees, your contractors, your workers are. So how do you know? Like, how do you work it out? There are four things that you would typically need to look at to determine employment status. Now, if you're really not sure, there is a tool that you can use to check employment status on the government website. Um, Don't ask me for the life of me. Oh, it's called a CEST tool, C-E-S-T. You can use that to check the employment status. That will give you the employment status according to HMRC. But HMRC and employment tribunals have slightly different definitions of what an employee is and how it's defined. So you do need to kind of consider both sides of the coin, really. So we're going to talk about it from an employment perspective, because obviously we're about HR. So when I am helping clients to determine employment status, the first thing I will ask is, what does it say in the contract? The contract of employment is or engagement even um so let me just clarify that if you have an employee you will have a contract of employment if you have a contractor or a freelancer you will have a contract of engagement a contract for services or a subcontractor agreement along those lines but what so we want to look at what the contract says what is written in it and is what is written reflected in real life because if your contract says, yeah, this person only want, this person's only going to work for me once a week, but in actual fact they work for you all week, then clearly that's not reflective of the actual relationship. But we, we, what is written is important. 
And equally, it's incredibly important that what is written reflects what's actually happening in real life, because you can come unstuck if you're not careful. So always make sure that your contracts are accurate. Make sure that if things change, that you update your contracts, either by updating the document itself and providing a new one or by putting in writing the changes that you're making to that contract. The second thing that we're going to look at, and this does link to the contract itself, but the second thing is mutuality of obligation. This is something that I find myself saying more often than I ever imagined. <laughs> it's a HR buzz phrase, mutuality of obligation. So a mutuality of obligation basically means that the company is obliged to provide hours and the worker or the employee is obliged to perform those hours. That's what happens in a typical employment contract. There's a mutuality of obligation. We, we guarantee you hours, you must work them. However, with a contractor, there is no mutuality of obligation. Because with a contractor, you will say to them, let's use a plumber, for example, I would like you to come and fit my boiler. They will come out and say, actually, that's not a job that we want to do. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Or they might come out and say, all right, we'll come and fix your boiler, but we're not doing anything else. And that's fine because there's no mutuality of obligation. Just the same as if they come out and fix your boiler, there's no requirement for you to get them to come out and look at your boiler every week. They're on. So the mutuality of obligation is very, very key. And you would use the contract and what happens in reality to assess that mutuality of obligation. Because like I said before, your contract might say one thing, but in reality, the hours worked and the, the nature of the relationship might say different. The third thing that we consider when we're looking at determining employment status is the level of control. And again, we would look at the contract for the wording and we would look at the actual what's happening in real life to assess who has the control. So in a typical employment relationship, the employer has the control. The employer says you will work between the hours of nine and five, Monday to Friday, and, and you will come into the office to do that work. However, if you are hiring a freelancer, you say, I want you to do this piece of work for me by this date. You do not control how they do it, when they do it, where it's done. They might be doing it in Costa off their laptop and that's absolutely fine. And the fourth thing that I would assess when looking at employment status is the level of personal service. So this means, does your contract and the nature of the relationship in real life require one particular individual to turn up and do the job. When you hire somebody as an employee, you're saying you need to come in and do the work. An employee can't send their sister in their place because they don't fancy coming in that day or because they've got other things on. They can't send a substitute. However, contractors can go back to our plumbing example, you book um, a plumber to come and fix your boiler. You don't care which, which plumber is sent. As long as it's a plumber under that business, 
that's been sent by that business who's qualified to do the job. You don't care if it's Dave or Andy. I <laughs> don't know who Dave and Andy are, but you don't care as long as someone comes and does the job. So you can see already there are actually quite stark differences between employees and contractors. Also, there is not one thing that determines this. So it's not just the personal service. It's not just the level of mutuality of obligation that has to be considered. When we're assessing employment status, we have to look at several different elements assess it on a case-by-case basis and bring it all together to decide. However, you can use the guidelines that I've outlined in this episode to help you work it all out. So you might be thinking, what's the problem if I've got an employee or a contractor? Who cares? HMRC care. And if HMRC came and did an inspection on your business and found that you were paying invoices to a contractor to do a considerable amount of work for, say, a period of 12 months with an ongoing relationship, they might turn around and say, you owe us your tax and NI and pension contributions for this person because they're basically an employee. You might also find in that scenario that your contractor might turn around and say, you need to treat me like an employee, which means that I get holiday and I get sick pay and I get benefits and I get pension contributions because... I am unable to earn a living from any other client other than you. So it is really important for your business to know the status of your people. It's super, 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 super important. I can't stress this enough from an employment perspective, but also from a tax perspective. And really, nobody wants HMRC knocking on their door. Nobody wants a tribunal case. We don't want it. So top tip top bonus tip for today check all of your employees and your workers and your contractors and make sure you are super clear on what their employment status is and if you're not clear check it go and check it use the CEST tool on the government website and follow the guidelines that I've outlined in this podcast thanks ever so much for listening guys I really appreciate you tuning in and listening every week If you appreciate the advice and find it useful, I would love it if you could leave me a review, even if it's just a little five star, because obviously it's five star, isn't it? Um, You don't need to write war and peace. Just leave me a little review, rate the podcast, um, just so that I can help to reach more people just like you and help them in their businesses. See you next week. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode if you love what you're hearing then be sure to tell us on facebook and instagram at lilac hr ltd mm-hmm.